Let us pray. Father God, we are here because we believe. Lord, the cry of our hearts is that we would increasingly believe what Jesus believes, that we would live how Jesus lives through practicing what Jesus practiced. God, transform us. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Make us sensitive to your leading and to your voice. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing unto you, our Lord, our God, our Father. In your name, amen. Conversations are incredibly powerful things. Conversations have the ability to strengthen us, to build us up, to infirm us, to encourage us. They can change the whole course of your day, of your life. Conversations are powerful. Conversations can also hurt us. Conversations can make us feel small. They can make us feel devalued. They can make us feel somewhat smaller or less worthy than we were because conversations are powerful things. My guess is if that you look over the past day and week of your own life, you can point back to a conversation or two or maybe many that you had were, that were powerful. Maybe they didn't change the course of your life, but they changed you in that moment. You felt more energized or encouraged or loved because of a conversation that you had. Conversations are powerful things. Last month, I had the opportunity to travel to the beautiful Santa Barbara and Westmount College for a, converse, for a conference called um, Experiencing Life with God. And this, com- this conference was really an extended conversation on what it means to grow as disciples of Jesus, what it means to grow in our spiritual formation and relational joy. Spiritual formation are those things that we do to grow. There are practices like prayer and reading scripture and meditation and things like that. And the whole weekend was a little bit like drinking from a fire hydrant. There were so many conversations that I had, both in the sessions and then afterwards. And we would probably be here just for 10 hours just for me to talk to you about it. So I promise we'll leave that to the side. But I want to talk to you about one significant conversation that I had. While I was there, I met four people that we became really close over those few days, and we would get together and we'd eat meals together, and we would debrief what we were learning and talk about these nudges that we felt from God as as we listened and as we grew and as we spoke. And so as was our custom after prayer, my my new friend Ann and I would walk up to the dining hall to find the rest of our group to sit down for breakfast. And while, as we walked up and we walked into the room, we saw that our friends were sitting with Richard Foster. Now, I don't know if you know who Richard Foster is, but Richard Foster is someone that I encountered for the first time when I was going through seminary when I read his book, Celebration of Discipline. This is a book that focuses on the practices of Jesus to help us grow and learn and find joy in our relationship with Jesus. And I'm super, super excited that this summer, in Faith and Life, we are gonna be working through this book. So stay tuned for details on that because it's gonna be fantastic. But what I loved about it is when I read this for the first time, suddenly 
When people would talk about spiritual disciplines, they made sense. I understood how fasting or how these different things helped us to grow and helped me to grow, and it changed my perspective on what it means to grow. And so as we're walking up, and I see my friends sitting with Richard Foster, I'm thinking, well, they're, you know, Steve and Bobby are already talking to Richard. I guess we're going to have to go find another place to sit. And our, my, they, Bobby saw us, waved us over, and so we sat down at the table, and I'm not going to lie, outside I was calm, cool, collected. Inside, oh, I'm sitting beside Richard Foster! I was so excited because I was sitting beside someone whose ministry and whose wisdom I had deeply respected for about 15 years um, and had, who had, he had impacted me. And we sat and we talked about prof- profound things like hiking and movies and life and church life. And it was an incredibly ordinary and wonderful conversation. And as I'm sitting there, I start thinking it would be really great if I could share with Richard some of my thoughts on something I've been working on. See, for the last 10 or so years, I've been on a journey with God trying to understand what worship is, what worship and discipleship is. And I've been working on writing a book and doing research, and so I said to Richard, I said, well, no, I didn't say anything yet. I'm thinking this in my head, and I was like, God, it would be really cool if we had the opportunity to have this conversation. And Richard says, well, I think it's time for me to brush my teeth. I'm thinking, well, clearly this is not the time for this conversation. That's all right. Kind of a pipe dream anyways. Why would Richard want to hear what I have to say? And he takes his coffee cup, and he looks at it, but I still have half a cup of coffee. And I realized that was the opening for me to have a conversation. So I said, can I, can I share something that I've been working on with over the last 10 years? He said, sure, I would love to. So I shared with him and the other people at their table my thoughts on worship and where my theology of worship started. And there was conversation and there was questions and it was a great conversation. At the end of it, Richard leans over, he puts his hand on my arm, he says, I look forward to reading your book. And he walked away. It took me all of maybe 30 seconds to a minute before I was completely overwhelmed. Completely overwhelmed in that moment. Because I realized while I was having one conversation with Richard, I was actually having, and everyone else at the table, I was actually having a larger conversation with God. Because this journey over the last 10 years of working on a theology of worship is leading me to Regent University this fall to start a PhD so that I can really delve into the topic of worship and discipleship and then bring back what I'm learning there into my ministry here. And I'm so excited about it. But there's something amazing that happens when you realize in that moment that God is speaking very specifically and very intimately to you. And you are overwhelmed. The reason that I love worship and I love thinking about discipleship is because I am passionate about how we grow. I, I want to grow in my relationship. I want to know joy in Christ. I want, to, I want to be increasingly dependent on him for how I go about my life, and I want to help other people figure that out. I love conversations about how we grow and working through things with people. Because as disciples of Jesus, we're called to believe what Jesus believes so that we can live how Jesus lives by practicing the things that he practices. And as you read the, as you read the Gospels and you read what the, um, the Gospel writer said about Jesus, the thing that comes up over and over again is that Jesus would withdraw to pray. 
He did a lot of other things too, but it frequently says that Jesus would withdraw to pray. There's one story in particular where the disciples come to Jesus and he said, there's all these people who are looking for you. They're hungry for more of you. They want you to pray over them and they want you to cast out demons and heal them and to hear your teaching. And Jesus says, okay, I'm gonna go over here and I'm gonna pray. And he walks away and he prays. Prayer was fundamental to Jesus' ministry on earth. And if it was fundamental for him and who he was in his ministry with, with, through in the kingdom of God, how much more is it fundamental for us? Prayer is many things. Prayer is a means of understanding who and what God is. As we talk to him, as we learn to hear his voice, as we ask him questions, as we search for him from scripture and we talk to him, prayer teaches us who and what God is. Prayer is a means of transforming our character. As we pray, God does something in us. He teaches us to be more and more who he has called to be through prayer. My favorite comes from Dallas Willard, and he says that prayer is an intelligent conversation with God about matters of mutual concern. Prayer is an intelligent conversation with God about matters of mutual concern. He wants to be in conversation with us. He wants us to talk to him. He wants us to ask him questions, and he wants to teach us. It is a prayer, is an intelligent conversation uh, with God about matters of mutual concern. And as we flip to the story of the Lord's Prayer, we see that prayer is a conversation between the Father and his child. One day the disciples came to Jesus when he was coming down from his time of prayer and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. You'll find the story in the 11th chapter of Luke and if you were to flip back in the book of Luke, you'll notice that they've already been with him as he's healed diseases, he's cast out demons, he's raised kids from the dead, he's fed 5,000 men plus women and children, he has calmed the storm. Um, Some of them were up on the mountain with him when he was fully transformed into the glory of God and they saw him in all of his glory. They've heard him preach about the kingdom of God and the good news that he brought. They've heard him talk about God in a different way. They've been sent out on missions trips. You would think by now the disciples know how to pray. After all, it's not like they just figured out this religious thing when Jesus came along. They grew up in the synagogues and they had the priests and the, and the religious leaders there teaching them how to pray. But they realized as they followed Jesus and they learned to live how he lives, that when he prayed, things happened differently. There was a certain power to his prayers that theirs was lacking. And so they came to him and they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And Jesus looked at them and he said, whenever you pray, when you frequently pray, this is what you should say. And as we walk through this, we're going to be using the version of the Lord's Prayer that is in the book of Matthew. He starts with, our Father in heaven. As we start our prayers, as we start our conversation, we need to address the person that we're talking to. We're not talking to a distant, far-off God who is in the sky somewhere, you know, second star to the right and straight on till morning. We're praying to our Father. Jesus invites us into his relationship with the Father through his death and resurrection, but also through his life and how he demonstrated how life was to be. He says, pray this way, pray to our Father who is in the heavens. 
In Greek, in the heaven means heaven, the abode of God, but it also means all that which embraces uh, all conceivable life. So heaven isn't this distant, far-off place. We're not praying to a distant father who's disconnected from his children, but a very present father who embraces all conceivable life. Jesus is inviting us into a face-to-face, one-on-one conversation with the father who loves us and has chosen to be in relationship with us. He continues and he says, hallowed be your name. I don't know about you, but I don't walk around talking about hallowing things very often. It's not part of my usual vocabulary, except for when I'm praying this prayer. To hallow something means to see it as being the ultimate, to recognize it as holy, as sanctified. This is speaking to deeply treasuring and loving something above all else. Picture a little kid who loves his mom and dad more than anything else. And his sole desire is that everybody would love his mom and dad like he does. And it doesn't make sense to him that someone could not love their mom and dad because mom and dad are their entire universe. As a child of God, Jesus says, pray, hallowed be your name. May your name be treasured and loved above all else because we know the truth. We know that God is the author and giver of life, that he is our creator, sustainer, he is our redeemer. And when everybody loves God, when he is treasured and loved above all else across this planet, that is when life will happen the way it was designed to. And so we pray, may your name be treasured and loved above all else. And coming out of that prayer then is the logical next statement, may your kingdom come and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now the kingdom of God is eternal. It was, it is, and it always will be. So we're not calling for God to do something new. We're not asking for him to start something. We're recognizing that as we go about human life, we tend to set up our own little kingdoms. There is a kingdom of Melissa, and the ruler of that kingdom is a little bit of a tyrant, especially if you catch her before she's had her morning caffeine. We all have our own little kingdoms. We like to be the one in charge. We want it to be my way or the highway. We want to make all the decisions. We want to be in control. We want people to see how good we are. We want our own little kingdoms to exist. So when we say, may your kingdom come, what we're asking primarily for is, Lord, will you come and I lay my kingdom down before you? I want your rule, what you know is right, what you know is best for me to be effective in my life. I want to follow you in that. And as we pray for God's rule to be worked out in our own lives, we then begin to pray for the world around us. All we need to do is open up Facebook or a newspaper or the internet or watch the news and we realize that we are in a world that is broken. It is a world where people are hurting, where people are suffering, and we're a world that desperately needs the touch of God in, the, in its midst. A world that desperately needs his love, his grace, his compassion, his truth, his justice. 
We live in a world that desperately needs God, and as his rule becomes effective in our life, as his kingdom becomes real in our life, he then uses us to touch the world around us and extend his kingdom. Lord, may your kingdom come in me, in my relationships, in my family, in my friendship, at work, the way I go about my business or my job, the way I spend my money, the way I interact with my community, the way I present myself. May your rule be effective in me so that you can extend your your kingdom through me. And because you are the head of my kingdom, we continue the prayer by saying, give us today our daily bread. There are people possibly in this room and definitely in this city and in this world where the prayer for daily bread is a very real thing. They're living paycheck to paycheck if they have a paycheck and they don't know where the next meal is gonna come from or they have an idea of where some is gonna come from, but they don't know if they're gonna have protein or fresh vegetables or whatever the case may be. And that's why as a church, we support things like JCOC, or we support Jaycox Elementary. It's why we, we invest in our community, in our world, because God provides for his world through his church and through his kingdom. And so as we, as we invest in Jaycox, as we invest in JCOC, we are saying, God, may your kingdom rule ex- extend to people who need your provision. But he's not just talking about food in this verse. The idea here is, God, give us today what we need today. We love to say that there is nothing too big for our God, and amen, there is nothing too big for our God. But there is also nothing too small for him. Sometimes we forget that he cares about the little details in our life. He cares about our calendars. He cares about our relationships. And so as you pray each day, God, give us today what we need today. What is it you need in your marriage? What is it you need in your parenting? What is it you need at work? Do you need wisdom? Do you need grace? Are you struggling? Do you need a sense of his peace or his joy? What is it you need? And ask for it. God is a good father and he wants to provide for us. If you're a parent and you started to notice, imagine you started to notice your child quietly squirreling food away and putting it in their pocket and saving it for later because they didn't trust you were actually going to provide for them what they needed. I'm I'm not a parent, but I'm going to guess that you would be very, very concerned if your child no longer trusted you could provide. We are part of a kingdom with a Lord who has everything at his disposal. What is it that you need? And do you trust him to provide those things? The prayer continues. And forgive us our debt as we also have forgiven our debtors. We recognize that when we enter in this kingdom of God, we are here by God's grace alone. We join this family through God's grace alone. And while we know that we were forgiven when we came to faith in Christ, we said, yes, I believe in you. I believe that Jesus came and he died so that I can have a relationship with Jesus. I believe in the kingdom of God and that it is the way that we are called. And we, we know that we are through, we are in the kingdom of God because of his grace. But we also recognize we mess up on a daily basis. We sin on a daily basis, and so we look back to our forgiveness, but we also continue to say, God, transform me increasingly into who you have called to be. I know I messed up. Forgive me for that. Thank you for your grace, and you move forward. 
And as we learn to accept God's grace and we learn to receive God's grace, then we are called to forgive the people around us. I love the way Luke actually puts that verse. He says, forgive us our sins as we are also forgiving those who sin against us. It's in the present tense. Sometimes things will happen to us and we will find it relatively easy to forgive. It doesn't mean that we weren't hurt in that process, but we find the process of forgiveness fairly easy. There's other things that happen in our life that are very, very painful and hurt us to the core, and those things are sometimes very difficult to forgive. But as we pray the Lord's Prayer and as we pray God, we say, God, teach me to forgive. Forgiveness is an ongoing process. It's not about promising someday I'm going to forgive that person. Or say, I'm going to try to. It's like, God, I, will, I am forgiving that person. Teach me how to do it. It's a process. And it's a process that may take a long time. But as we come into God's kingdom and he is our ruler, then we say, God, teach me. Teach me how to pray. Teach me how to forgive because I have received this grace from you. And the final line of the prayer is, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It's easy to read that word temptation and think, okay, so God, don't tempt me to sin, but that's not really what's going on here. Remember, this is a prayer of, or this is a conversation between a child and his dad, and the child is saying, God, don't let bad things happen to me. Father, don't let bad things happen to me because when bad things happen to me, I have a very low pain tolerance for them and so I'm very quickly going to take my eyes off you, look at me, and I'm going to rely on my own strength, my own wisdom, my own vices, my own thought process to get through this and I'm going to end up sinning. So God, don't let bad things happen to me, but instead deliver me or drag me away from evil. Protect me. Just as God wants us to talk to him about what we need on a daily basis, he wants us to walk into life armed with someone who is stronger than us. This doesn't mean that suddenly everything is going to go right, everything is going to be easy, because we live in a broken world and so there will be pain, but it means when we walk through difficult times, when we walk through the storms of life, we realize and we see the way that we are not walking through them alone. He guards our heart. He helps us to walk through those times with power and strength and his presence whether go, rather than going through them by ourselves. Prayer is a conversation between the father and his child. It is something that shapes us. It is something that grows us. It's something that builds and develops. But prayer is also super difficult. If I want to go and have a conversation with a good friend of mine, I tend to call them up or actually text them and say, hey, let's go grab a coffee. And we'll go and we'll go to Starbucks or we'll go to um, Bean There or Roast Rider and we're going to grab a cup of coffee, we're going to sit down in front of each other and we're going to have a conversation and we're going to see each other, we'll see each other's face, facial expressions and we will grow, continue to grow in our relationship. God is invisible. And he doesn't speak to us the same way that other people speak to us, which makes it challenging. Jesus tells a parable that I'm going to just quickly paraphrase. He says, suppose that you have a friend and he needs food, or you need food, and you go and you say to your friend, give me some food. 
and your friend from inside says, don't bother me, I'm already in bed, I've got the kids here with me, it's too much of a hassle, I can't get up. But if you stand there and wait, well, he wouldn't get up immediately, he will come down because of your shameless audacity in waiting. Sometimes prayers take a while to answer. It's a relationship, and so we need to grow in that relationship, and we need to learn to hear each other. So whereas we may need to badger our friends to help us out, it's not about badgering God. It's about waiting. Sometimes to answer our prayers, God needs to change someone, something in someone else. Sometimes to answer our prayers, he needs to change something in us. And out of grace and compassion for us, he does that over time. And sometimes what we pray for is not what we actually need. We need something better. God delights in giving us good gifts. He delights in answering our prayers, but sometimes what we pray for is not the best, even though we think it is. And if we believe that God is our Father, if we believe that he is the King, if we believe that he is good and he is sovereign and he is our creator and he knows how to do this thing called life better than we do, then as we build our relationship, we learn to trust that even when prayers don't necessarily go the way we want them to, that he is still listening, he's still interacting, and he's still walking through us, with us through it. Because when we don't stick in prayer, when we don't continue that relationship, we take ourselves away. If you go knock on your friend's door and you say, hey, can you give me something to eat, and you don't get an immediate answer, or you don't get that immediate food, and you walk away, by the time your friend gets to the door with food, you're no longer in a position that you can receive. So we stick with it. We go into prayer, and we, with those things that are on our hearts that we need, we talk to God about over and over again, trusting that he is going to provide because it's a conversation, and it takes time. And he will prepare us, and he will work through it. Conversa- or conversations are powerful things. They are powerful things. And prayer at its heart is a conversation between the father and his child. And while it's hard, while it takes development, and we need to learn how to do it, we need to learn this relationship, prayer changes everything. God changes us through prayer. Dallas Willard um, says this in his book, uh, Divine Conspiracy, come up. There he is. Kingdom praying and its efficacy, its power or its efficiency is entirely a matter of the innermost heart being totally open and honest before God. It is a matter of what we are saying with our whole being, moving with resolute intent and clarity of mind into the flow of God's action. As an apprentice to Jesus, it is one of the most important things we need to do. He teaches us how to be in prayer what we are in life and how to be in life what we are in prayer. Prayer changes everything. As we come to the end of this sermon, what I want to do is provide a moment for you to be in prayer through the Lord's Prayer. We're going to use the, um, I think you got these when you walked in. This is Dallas Willard's version of the Lord's Prayer found in Divine Conspiracy. And we're going to go through it a couple times. I want to invite you to close your eyes. I want to invite you to take a couple deep breaths. 
and allow those thoughts about what you have to get done this afternoon, what you need to do tomorrow, just breathe those out. And as I read, I want you to listen for the words that seem to reverberate a little bit deeper in you. Listen for what God is communicating to you. Dear Father, always near us. May your name be treasured and loved. May your rule be completed in us. May your will be done here on earth in just the way it is done in heaven. Give us today the things we need today. And forgive us our sins and impositions on you as we are forgiving any who in, all who in any way offend us. Please don't put us through trials, but deliver us from everything bad. Because you are the one in charge. And you have all the power and the glory, too, is all yours forever. And that's just the way we want it. Love those words. Keep your eyes closed. Love those words to just sit with you for a moment. What did you hear? What seemed to sit a little bit heavier in your mind or your heart? Prayer is a conversation, and God wants to speak with you. And as we finish the service, I want to invite you all to stand with me, and we're going to read Dallas Willard's Lord's Prayer together one time. But bef just before we do this, I want to add his final little postscript on it. He says, just the way we want it is not a bad paraphrase for amen. What is needed at the end of this great prayer is a ringing affirmation of the, good, of the goodness of God in God's world. If your nerves can take it, you might you will, right now, try whoopee. 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 Yeah. whoopee. I imagine God himself will not mind. So let's pray this together. Dear Father, always near us, may your name be treasured and loved. May your rule be completed in us. May your will be done here on earth in just the way it is done in heaven. Give us today the things we need today and forgive us our sins and impositions on you as we are forgiving all who in any way offend us. Please don't put us through trials, but deliver us from everything bad because you are the one in charge and you have all the power and the glory too is all yours forever, which is just the way we want it. Whoopee! Have a great Sunday, everyone. We'll see you next week.